Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Julie Staub. Julie helps HSPs, highly sensitive persons, overcome overwhelm and overstimulation by guiding them to practice slowing down and choosing a lifestyle template that honors and supports their sensitive nature. Hi, Julie. Hi. Thank you for so, having me. Well, it's so interesting. You you come to me via my buddy Laurel Clark, and she was just saying that what you've done and and how you work with HSPs is so interesting. And I was like, I mean, honest, I will tell you honestly, I think I is it possible to be an HSP and then not be one at some point? No. <laughs> It isn't. So then I was never an HSP. Okay. Yeah. It's an innate biological trait, but a lot of HSPs don't know they're HSPs. Oh, even if you're, you consider yourself sensitive or you feel different, you notice the world differently. um, You might not have that label because you just don't know that the trait exists. And that's kind of what happened for me. I didn't learn about it until I was 43. Oh, how interesting. Because yeah. I would I would definitely put myself in the sensitive category as so far as like you can take. Okay, I will have to take that. Yeah. I will have to figure yes. out if I'm if if I am. So where does someone find this test? It is on Elaine Aaron. She is the uh psychotherapist behind the trait. So she wrote the book, The Highly Sensitive Person. Um, and if you go to her website, it's HS person.com. And, uh, her website's a little overwhelming, but you will see, I think it's under the word resources and it'll say self-test and it's just kind of a yes or no thing. And then, um, if you fall, if, if you, I think if you say yes to a certain number of questions, you fall in that, uh, spectrum. So it's a spectrum. It, it's a range. So you might be on the low range or the high range. I'm at the highest. So <laughs> I'm very ultra sensitive, highly sensitive. So, um, but those, um, that's basically how you would determine if you're a highly sensitive person. That's like the gold standard questionnaire. So what does that mean when you say I'm, you know, you're, you're high, highly sensitive, sure. yeah. what does that mean? So, um, so the, the scientific term is sensory processing sensitivity. And I like sharing that because a lot of people assume that highly sensitive people are sensitive in the sense of overly emotional or overly dramatic, or they just, you know, are difficult or they hide in a hole and very introvert, but that isn't the case. So sensory processing sensitivity kind of guides you into um, more of what the trait is about. It's how we process through our senses and that level of sensitivity would then consider us a highly sensitive person or not. So we process through our nervous system. So it's not an emotional feeling interpretation, but it's truly um, how our nervous system is picking up everything in our environment including other people's energy. So Mm -hmm. we're really sensitive to the lighting, to different smells, to noises. Um, And what happens is 
I'll explain the trait through the DOES acronym, which is what Elaine Aaron created to help better describe the trait. So D stands for depth of processing. And so that just means we are very much wired to deeply process through our nervous system and hold on to that information and process that information longer. So a lot of the phrases I'll get as a highly sensitive person is, why haven't you gotten over that? Why are you still thinking about that? Um, and it, it's never been something that I accepted until I learned about this trait. So it, it, it always made me feel like there was something wrong with me. Why couldn't I let things go? But when I learned that the nervous system is designed to basically hold more information, process more information, which then leads to the O in the DOES acronym, which is overwhelm. So when your nervous system is constantly taking everything in the environment and other people's energy and the noises and the smells and all of the things, you easily overwhelm your system. Mm -hmm. So it's required of us as highly sensitive people to do a lot of alone time, a lot of quiet time, processing time. Um, Elaine Aaron suggests that we spend two hours a day alone and that we spend eight to 10 hours in bed. And that can be sleeping or not. So a lot of times I'll spend an hour in bed journaling or reading before I go to sleep or in the morning I wake up, I do a law of attraction meditation or some other meditation just to get my head right, ground into the day. Um, so you can really use that time to get in touch with your inner guidance system, your intuition. Um, I, I get a lot of kind of downloads, little ideas come to me when I'm really quiet. A lot of answers come to me instead of trying to do this outward problem solving, which is very masculine. I kind of sit back and let answers come to me. The E is for empathy and also emotional reactivity. So there are some brain differences in the highly sensitive person. One of those is the insula and the mirror neurons, which I think the insula is uh, our capacity to have uh, empathy for others. And mirror neurons allows us to literally feel what another person might be feeling. So that makes highly sensitive people very um, people connecting in the sense that when we're in someone else's energy, we're feeling what they're feeling mm -hmm. and because those little parts of our brain are more activated. That's how we're designed. So it's really important for us to be around people that have good energy that um, are not intense for our nervous system. Um, I don't like to be around a lot of loud people or intense or aggressive or angry people that also just makes taking in content um, feel a little different for a highly sensitive person because I'm not going to put myself in front of a lot of violence or things that I'm going to pick up that energy and I don't necessarily uh, want to feel that. So I have to be really careful around that. And then the S stands for noticing the subtle. This is my favorite part about being an HSP because I'm an artist and I appreciate 
all of the beauty in the world. And so I've always been a photographer as long as I remember. Um, since junior high, I've always just picked up a camera and I've just noticed the beauty around me. So a lot of people think highly sensitive people can be a challenge, a struggle, a negative, but just as much as we're impacted by the negative, we are impacted by the positive. So for me, I get overly, this kind of goes back to the emotional reactivity. I'm going to react stronger to a sunset, to a puppy, to uh, two people exchanging kindness. That is going to tug at me emotionally, and I'm going to respond, whether it's a laugh or a cry. I cry at anything. It can bring me joy. It can be sadness, but really just anything that touches my heart. I feel it deeply and I notice everything in my environment, which makes my environment something that I'm constantly reevaluating. Is it serving me or not serving me? So I don't do well with clutter. I like everything tidy. I like everything to have a, a home and everything in its place because that overstimulation of too much stuff, it just overwhelms my system. So I'm always... That is I, I have to say this because I was actually going to ask you, I was thinking, okay, her place looks like mine. Lots of space. <laughs> I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't want a lot of stuff. I start feeling very weighted down yes. if I have too stuff, too much stuff. And I'm the same way. I mean, my place is always company ready <laughs> because I just, I can't have stuff out. It drives me insane. Like if I see something in its wrong spot, it, I don't like it. I have to go put it away. But I was noticing her, your background. And I thought, ah, she's kind of like me. I mean, you know, it, I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't want a lot of stuff. And I like, I really like bare walls. They're fine with me. I'm okay with bare walls. Yeah. I, we have lived in our place now for a little over a year and we haven't put anything up on the walls yet. I do like to have stuff on the walls. I don't mind things on the walls, but it's just taken us a long time to do that. But um, the two things that I'm guilty of collecting are a lot of books and plants. So I do like to just create that cozy environment. I think it's really important to kind of have a sanctuary in your home where you can sit down, you can read a book, you can light a candle, burn some incense put on some soft music, if that's your cup of tea, whatever it is that's very soothing and makes you feel at home is so important because there's so much harshness in the outside world. We have to create kind of a safe haven in our home to feel that safety and that relief that our nervous right. system to kind of unwind and untangle everything that we've been absorbing all day. And I get that, you know, I mean, and I, I'm the same on the, I don't, I can't stand yelling. Like I don't see any reason to ever yell. Um, I can't stand really angry, but it's it, honestly, it's one of the reasons why I can't stand watching Al Pacino movies because I feel like all he does is yell in every single movie. And I'm like, calm down, buddy. You know, um, nothing against him as an actor, just not my cup of tea, but, um, but I'm I'm gonna imagine too that being in crowds can can be difficult. Yeah, and so a lot of people assume highly sensitive people are introverts. Actually, thirty percent are extroverts. I consider myself an ambivert, which um, I like being around people, but I need my alone time. So, and when I do spend time with people, I enjoy more one-on-one, -on -one, small groups. 
Um, I was, before the pandemic, we had a beautiful group of people. We did a cookbook club where we'd all bring a dish from this one cookbook and we'd get together around food. So those kind of activities that feel a little, have more depth, that it's not just uh, a huge social gathering or a very loud concert where there's no place to sit or retreat. It's really important that I have the ability to make adjustments and have you know the confidence to kind of take a break if I need to or leave early if I need to. And that's something that I've kind of known about myself before I even knew I was a highly sensitive person. Right. And solitude. I... I, I, I am very comfortable being alone, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, so there's that part of where, where people think, oh, if you're alone all the time, that means you're lonely. I'm like, not if you're me, I, I'm good. I like my solitude. I can just hang out with my dog and cat. I'm good. We, there's, there's solitude. I think, um, it's interesting how many people are not comfortable with that, but, I'm very comfortable with being alone. Yeah. I have no issues with it. I don't look at it like what's wrong with me that I won't, you know, that I don't want pe- a bunch of people around me all the time. I just, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I was a, a single for all of my thirties. So literally that whole decade of my life, I spent a lot of time with myself. I am an artist. So I like to paint. I like to do crafts. I like to, Um, you know, I, I love hanging out and watching different reality TV shows. I like a lot of transformation shows where you see like an ugly house, go to this like brand new updated house. I love seeing the transformation of chaos, go to calm and Mm -hmm. just different things that I like to do by myself, but I have no problem being by myself. It allows me to, to resource my energy from within and not have to fight any other energy that might be in the same physical space. Um, because I easily pick up uh, the energy of my partner, it's hard for me. We've both been working from home over the last couple of years. It's been very right. Um, We're both creative people. He's a videographer, photographer. I'm a photographer. I do a lot of uh, seasonal work. So I'm not necessarily working out of the home, but to just concentrate and connect with myself is easier to do when I'm by myself. Yeah, I get it. I get, maybe I am an HSP. I'm sorry. I wonder. (laughs) So so then, so then people that you help, um, are these people that are just feeling like the world is just too much? There's too much. And I am really having a hard time figuring out how to be in it. Yes. I think uh, what I've recognized after talking to HSPs for over a, a year on Clubhouse is one, a lot of HSPs think that this is something they have to fix. So this isn't a this isn't a disorder. This didn't come about because of trauma. This is something that you're born with. So instead of seeing something within yourself that you need to change, it's more how do I live my lifestyle and how do I view myself differently now that I know I'm a highly sensitive person. So there's a lot of reframing that needs to take place. Right. Um, there were people that would come in clubhouse rooms and, and they were literally being told by outside sources that they needed to be 
tougher. They needed to toughen up. They shouldn't be sensitive. And so that is a huge starting point. And then you go through your healing journey to the point where you can see this as a superpower. So the beginning is, I don't even know that I'm an HSP and I feel that, that my sensitivity is something I have to fix or change so that I can adapt to the way our society and culture is, which I would never recommend and neither no. do experts. But then as you go through this process, you educate yourself, you learn as much as you can about the trait you start to accept yourself and your self-esteem is then going to lead to a greater confidence in who you are because we have to live a creative lifestyle and we have to go about our life differently than 80% of the population. It does create a lot of resilience. And then through that resilience, you start to see your sensitivity when when you stop the overwhelm, which takes a little time you stop the overwhelm, you rearrange some things, you understand the lifestyle you need to live, and then you can start to see your sensitivity as a superpower. So it really is a multi-stage process. I call it the HSP journey. Um, And so I think being in Clubhouse and talking to different HSPs, it allows us to be seen and heard. It allows Mm -hmm. us to be around people who understand what it's like to live through this trait And then you can start to see, wow, these are gifts that we have um, and recognize that and then start to see your your sensitivity as a superpower. I love that because it's really honoring yourself. Yes. You know, it really is honoring yourself. Yeah. Because it's wired this way. This is nothing that we created. It's just who we are. I and I, I recall a long time ago and, and I, I had a boss and he was really pissing me off and and I, and I started crying and I told him, I said, listen, these aren't tears that are like, Oh, wimpy stuff. I mean, this is just how I react to things. I I cry when I get super upset in a you know, and I said, it's just what I do. And, you know, this was back when, well, that was really considered, you know, like, Oh, what a baby. But, um, but I didn't look at it that way. I was just like, no, I'm really pissed off right now. Like you have got me to that place where tears are coming out. Cause I'm so angry at this point, you know? Well, that's your um, emotional sensitivity shining through because you're in a state of overwhelm. You're processing the information that that person was directing towards you. You're trying to explain your point of view or be in your point of view. And then that emotion comes out because it is such an intense feeling. And that's just how we respond. I cry at the instant drop of a hat. Like it's not me too. Or because I'm upset. It's just, it's just that emotion processing through me. Right. Right. It's a good thing. And it's not viewed that way by other people, but we need to know that that's okay. I think it's just, it's a good way. Well, I mean, water, it flows. And sometimes yeah. that's how you just got to get out whatever's going on. You just like, I mean, I, I know there are times where like, I really need a good cry. Yep. I, just, I need to just have a good cry right now. Yep. That would be very helpful to me. Um, that is so interesting. So, so I want to ask you some questions, but before we get sure. there, tell me where people can find out about you to um, get your help. Sure. I am directing everyone to my website. So it's my first and last name.com, juliestaub.com. 
Um, I'm in the process of putting my content that I create on my website versus social media. So I do have an Instagram account. I'm not going to close it down, but I'm not going to uh, post there anymore. Soon I've got a few more posts before I kind of close that up because I want to reallocate that energy that I've been putting into social media and actually build on my website, which is something I own versus building for people that change the algorithm. And I just don't like that game. So my website, and then please uh, sign up for my newsletter. That is a good spot to just get an introduction for me, who I am, what I focus on. Um, I'm in the process of doing an onboarding email uh, system so people can get a little idea of the content I create, how I can help you. Um, So that's all in the works, but I've been making this slow transition from social media to the website and it just takes time. Everything goes slow for us. Oh, well, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. I mean, so I have a digital media company and that's, we, we know how to chase down what's going on with all the social media, but when you're doing it on your own and you're not seeing it from a standpoint of a whole bunch of pages where you start to see the trends, I get it. Like, what is going on now? You know, we're usually looking, going, all right, this is happening at a lot of okay. So this is this is what they want us to do right now, you know, or they've got this new toy. Let's play with the new toy. They like when you play with the new toy. I am so not a follower, so I I ignore all that stuff. (laughs) I really only in the beginning would go in, do my business and leave. And then I, you know, would start to look at other people and I'm like, I'm comparing myself. I don't feel good. I feel like I'm behind. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it right. There's just a lot of, I think, issues with social media that doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. But for me, I observe how I feel. And also, I don't enjoy um, using a grid system and limited character space to, to share what I need to say. I'm a deep person. I go long. So it's probably better for me to do a blog format. I'm also um, hoping to play with YouTube and create some video content down the road. Right now I have a YouTube channel, but it's just for the clubhouse replays. So it's just a place to get further reach than just gotcha. the clubhouse app. And it's, well, just- it's a Google product. So exactly. Good for reach. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you if you, I've got some fun questions. You are in Iowa city. Yes. If I went to Iowa city, where would you take me? Oh my gosh. Well, there's some great places to eat here. Um, let me think, where would I take you? There's a place called Big Grove, which is a huge brewery, but they have a really nice outdoor area. I mean, anywhere that I can be outside. Um, There's also really great bike paths that I enjoy. There's lots of parks. Um, But I mean, as far as right now, I feel like my brain is not thinking in that mode because of the pandemic and winter time. But yeah, oh, I get it. Yeah. It's a college town. So it's, it's, um, we have a central downtown area. There's a lot of local shops, um, a beautiful ped mall, a lot of public art, which is really refreshing. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Murals and all of that. So it's, 
it's a, a town that's gone through a lot of changes over the course of the decade that I've been here, decade plus after I lived in New York City for six and a half years. This is my That's home. a bit of a difference. Yeah, this is my New York. I grew up here. So okay. when I, I lived in New York City uh, from about 2002 to 2008. My grandma passed away that summer in 2008. I, I was going back and forth and I just was like, wow, what would it be like to have a backyard, to go and grow a garden, to get in a canoe and go on the river? Like, I just started to see more possibilities in Iowa than I did in New York. And so I returned, plus my family is here. I have two nephews now that are four years old. So it's nice to be closer to family. And I mean, obviously, uh, during the last few years, it's been good to be close to home. Right, exactly. Oh, Iowa City sounds, I love public art. I, I think that's one of the biggest ways you can transform a city yes. is, is through, you know, start with art. I'm very excited. And I'm in St. Louis. I live in downtown St. Louis and um, our regional arts commission has a grant to beautify our downtown with some I art. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I'm very excited about it. When I found out about it, I was like, okay. I'm ready now. When are we getting this done? Because I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I actually painted um, a park bench and it was in the downtown area. It was very abstract and it only lived there for about a year before they decided to renovate. And then they auctioned off these benches, which was a big bummer. But yeah, oh, they man. reoccurring um, opportunities for artists to be paid to do murals, public art installations. It's pretty cool in that, in that regard. Love it. So one of the things I, I was looking at um, is I am a huge consumer of content. I love to watch shows and mm-hmm. lots of stuff. Anyway, have you ever watched a, a, a movie or a series that you felt like an HSP was really well represented? Oh my gosh. So many things. Um, there's a series that I watched on Apple TV. Um, it's called home and, um, it's so fascinating and I, I wouldn't necessarily connect it so much to the HSPs in the show itself, but I felt that it was made for HSPs because it, it reevaluates how we build structures on earth. And instead of stomping down and building this erect structure, we start to see the structure married to the earth around it and how we can create an experience where we're in this home and we're still connecting with nature. And I really think that that is, yeah. And so it goes through and it takes these different characters, these different people who have just looked at home building differently and they're thinking about sustainability. They're thinking about the products they're using that are um, created for long-term use and um, situating the home in a way that you can see the sunset or you can see the forest behind you, or you're able to use materials that come from that area, that region, so that you're not putting a lot of cost into transportation of materials. Um, that's just, a an example, Love but that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so well done and beautifully shot. And that's another thing is, 
Um, I do follow quite a few YouTubers um, that I definitely would coin as highly sensitive. Uh, Yona Yinton is uh, like my top favorite YouTuber. That's what got me hooked on to YouTube. And I've been watching her content for the last, I would say, three years. And it's been really incredible to watch her growth. She's an artist. She does. She makes jewelry. She lives. She's Swedish. She lives in the northern part of Sweden. So she is in the harsh winters. She records frozen ice sounds. She's just a really deeply creative person. And she also, um, she does paintings. She does all of this. And she's a videographer and photographer. And um, she does a lot of drone shots of her. Oh, cool. So gorgeous. Like literally, I think every time I've watched her videos, which are usually about a half hour, I like to do it alone so I can fully feel the range of emotions that her work makes me feel. Um, but I do follow different YouTubers that definitely, even if they're not saying they're a highly sensitive person, you can clearly see the way that they're interacting with their environment and you just pay attention to how they're behaving. They definitely are HSPs and especially how they're responding to their environment, just seeing the beauty of everything. Right. Oh, how cool. Thank you. Awesome answer. So I ask everyone this and you had actually um, brought up kindness at one point. I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, kindness. That's what we're all about here. So have you witnessed, received, given, I mean, just top of mind, some kind of kindness, share that with us. Um, Received, given. So I did a project in, I want to say it was 2014, um, where I painted a hundred hearts and I put the back of, on each of them, I don't have it in here. I was just looking at it, but it's the, I'm going to say this wrong. The Hope no it's, it's a, a Hawaiian From term. Hawaii. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I, I have a hard time because it's a lot of repetitive vowels, but Anyway, I put the four phrases on the back of the heart and I just found strangers to give them to, whether it was the grocery clerk or the gas station clerk or a waitress, or it would maybe a friend that I saw that day. It was an intuitive feeling, but it was, it was a fun project because it put me in that place of always looking for someone to gift this heart to. So the goal was to do it in a hundred days. I didn't do it in a hundred days. I probably did it over. I don't know if it was several months, but um, it was just a fun project to kind of light someone up. And a lot of times I would hear from people, Oh, this made my day. You have no idea. I really needed this right now. Um, so that was a really fun project and just kind of, that's so cool. I love that. And and that's, that's all it takes sometimes. It's yeah. just a little something that can really brighten someone's day. They're going through their regular old day and then you yeah. just go, Hey, how about this? And it's different and it's fun and they get to talk yeah. about it. And I love that. Yeah. And I did Fair. another project. Uh, I used to have those uh, tear off one a day calendars and they were all uh, affirmations from Louise Hay, who is my mm-hmm. favorite affirmation person. 
and I would collect them. I would just put them in my glove box. And then if I was wasting time or I was driving somewhere and my car was parked, I would put them on the windshields of different cars. So when they look at it coming to their car, it might look like a ticket because it's just a blank white paper. Right. It's like, but oh it, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the inside, they would actually read the affirmation. So I always just got a little giddy thinking of that surprise for someone, even if I wasn't there to witness it. It was just one of those fun games of just putting good energy out into the world and hopefully making someone feel better by reading it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, Julie, that's awesome. This is this was very interesting. Now you got me. I'm going to have to go take that test and figure out. Because now I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm saying I was one and could I not become what I, but I figured out how to be with it in a way. Right. Well, I would feel so overwhelming and chaotic. Well, I call very interesting. A chameleon because for the longest time I was adapting to not be sensitive because I thought that wasn't safe to reveal. So a lot of times people might think that they're sensitive, not really label themselves, but there's a lot of unshedding that needs to happen for them to really see themselves as sensitive because we're just not given permission to be that way. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you for being a guest, Julie. I'm so happy we could make this happen. Yay. I'm glad. And I love it. You can help the HSPs out there. Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Thank you. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash Podcast. So if you're thinking you're an HSP, you now know where to go and explore this and, and figure out how to be in this world and embrace who you are. Thanks for listening. Give some kindness. Love you all. 